What's up, traders? Anthony Cardelli here, and thank you for tuning in to the Futures Radio Show podcast. Now, today I have two of my faves joining me on the show. Tracy Shuchart, you probably know her as Shy Girl on Twitter, and Matt Kenna, many of you know him as PAX. Today is all about what we're seeing and how we're trading crude oil, S&P, NASDAQ, the good stuff. Now, before I get Shy and PAX in here, I want to remind all of you that there are micro- Crude Oil Contracts at CME Group. I love this product. The symbol is MCL. They're one-tenth the size of CL. To learn more, go to cmegroup.com. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group, Trading Technologies, TradeStation, and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol RTY and micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell, and their products, please visit footsierussell.com. So here we go, everybody. We got Shy and Pax in the house. What's up, guys? Hey. Yeah. Hey, Tracy. So it's nice to have the three of us together. We've never done a show together, the three of us. I know. <laughs> Pretty cool. I have a lot of questions for Tracy. Yeah, I know. I do, too. You know, and we're going to get to Tracy in a minute, I want to start with you, Pex, because something that I'm watching, and I know a lot of people out there know that you talk about the opening range a lot. And I think a lot of people look at the opening range just for the day. And to me, something that I think has really set the tone for me technically this year has been the opening ranges for the year. Look at the NASDAQ, look at Bitcoin, S&P, oil. A lot of these markets opened up and have just continued to go in that direction. And this is something that you and I watch a lot. To me, I block off that one day of the year. I've actually talked about this before. And that to me is a, is a pivotal area. To me, it's not as much as how January goes. It's more about that opening day of the year because if we start to trend from there up or down, that trend could be consistent through who knows, February, March, April, sometimes the entire year because everybody's noticing what we're up or down from that. I don't think enough people look at that. Talk to us about how important the opening range of the year is to you. It's the, the, so the opening range, I think people have a misconception that we're really mechanical about the opening range. I'm not an algorithm. I can't. It gives me, you know, on, in, the, in the micro, it gives me a daily, daily view into the market to know which way is my pivot. So on the macro, the, the most important opening range is always going to be the opening range of the year. The last uh, where, where the CME settled the contract for the year, which is different than the last traded price often, and then just simply the first traded price. So the S&P's yearly opening range was 47.58 half to 47.71. So I did a, uh, um, a group with some of the traders in my, in, in my group, um, like a small group. We, we talked about what the opening range meant. And for the first time, I, I changed my pivot from a bullish stance to a bearish stance equities. Because of where we opened um, on, on January 1st, on, on New Year's Day or the day after New Year's, we rallied up to 4808 from 4771. So it, for a week or so, I looked, you know, a little bit preemptive. But we came down underneath 4758, Anthony, and that was the end of it. NASDAQ 16,320 to 16,356. Can you get any more of a bearish stance than that? Or crude, you know, for, for God's sakes, crude. Opening range for crude was 7521 to 7569. This gives us, this is the, like the line of defense, you know, every fund and all of the institutional investors and traders, you know, they're going to manage, they're going to not manage, but they're going to measure um, uh, what they're doing based on what, what the, they did against the, the major indices, right, for the year. Well, so exactly. far, they're, they're not defending it very well. And that's, I just pulled up a quick chart here just to show everybody just how this looks. And I'll go through a few markets. You know, here's the opening range, basically the opening day of 2022 for the S&P, right? And let's just go and we'll click on the NASDAQ. Here's the opening range for the NASDAQ right there. I mean, it's not perfect. I'm just circling basically the opening right. day. You know, let's just take a look. Let's go up and let's take a look at crude oil. Where's the opening day for crude oil this year so far? Come up here. Oh, it's right there. It's pretty much the, it's the low of the day, right? I mean, I was even saying, look at this, this the other day. Uh, and I, I'm constantly looking at it. You know, let me just pull up Bitcoin. Where did Bitcoin open up at the beginning of 22? Oh, look at that. Um, so 
And Bitcoin actually was interesting recently. I'll, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit with both of you. I'm actually short Bitcoin now because of kind of that retest. But and a lot of that stemmed from the opening range. And I, this to me, it sets the tone. I mean, for so many of us, everyone wants to look at, you know, bull or bear market and all that stuff. And I, it's funny, every time by the time we figure out if we're in a bull or bear market, well, not maybe not for a bull market, but for a bear market, every time if we find out we're in a bear market, it's usually the turning point, right? That 20% or whatever. I like to look at level to level. I know Tracy's tweeted about this for years. She's always like level to level, everybody. You know, I mean, as, as macro as you are, Trace, you're a level to level trader. Um, Trace, before we get into some fundamentals with you, because obviously I want to pick your brain about crude oil. How much of opening ranges, I mean, just to chime in in this conversation, do you do you look at what Pax and I talked about? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely do. Um, you know, I'm more, uh, you know, I'm not really trading the futures so much anymore. Um, you know, I'm trading the equities, but obviously those big levels, like opening, like the beginning of the year, right? And retesting levels and things like that, obviously, um, you look for those things to kind of get sort of some sense of direction that the market yeah. is taking. It and the thing is for you, I know that it, it's funny is, is time has gone by and with you, the more I've talked with you, I know you're, you're trading a lot of even energy equities. I think a lot of this year, I talked with you, I think the last time that you were on the show and we, we talked about everything that you were going on, you were, you were very bullish energy, obviously a great call. And, but you were trading it on the energy equity side. Um, what are you seeing right now in the energy markets? I mean, the, we're, uh, you know, we're, uh, I think we're a little bit stretched right now, as far as, you know, where price is concerned, I wouldn't, you know, I think we'll probably, unless actual war breaks out in, you know, Russia, Ukraine, um, or there are sanctions put on Russia, right? Oil sanctions, which I do not think anybody wants to do because they know that it'll automatically kick the price up and um, everybody's already facing really high energy costs. Um, so we're likely to go, probably go sideways here for a little bit. And then I see us higher um, into summer where we have higher demand season. Just because of the actual fundamentals, we have serious supply demand problems. Yeah, I just pulled up a chart of crude oil, and obviously you can see how volatile it is as of late. I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about Russia and the Ukraine as of late. Is it a reason why you know crude oil is higher? But I mean, crude oil has been going higher for, for a while. Right. I think there's, there's a lot more to it. How much of what is happening right now with Russia and Ukraine is having an immediate impact on price? I mean, well, we saw, you know, I mean, we saw it kick up about four dollars, right, right immediately when that happened, and then, um, at you know, over the last you know week or so, we're just, you know, we're kind of stalling out here, which is a good thing. I mean, this market needs a little bit of a breather to kind of work off some of this bullishness in order to make that next leg higher on a technical basis. That said, crude can keep running. In uh, an overbought market, <laughs> anyway, <Okay>. but <laughs> just from a technical standpoint. But you know, I think like uh, we saw a big pullback yesterday because we didn't see any real sanctions. Um, and the market was kind of you know we ran up to you know ninety four and change yesterday. I think uh, when they were first talking about sanctions, and then it turned out that Europe, U.S. Um, and the U.K. nobody mentioned uh, sanctions. The only thing that was mentioned in the energy realm was the halting of Nord Stream 2, which obviously is going to affect the natural gas market, especially in Europe, that um, TTF contract, the Dutch contract. Um, but that pipeline wasn't up and running anyway, right? So, um, you know, it's made a difference, but, you know, not a whole lot of difference in the energy markets. Now, if things escalate, then obviously um, traders are going to start getting worried about the market again. And if, you know, it, and if uh, sanctions escalate. Yeah. And when I look at when I see situations like this, to me, you have fundamentals, news coinciding with technicals. And it's just one of those things. It's just red light for me to be short crude oil at all. I'm actually long crude oil uh, a little bit. I've been just leaning on just a simple moving average. I've actually been using the micros for it intraday, you know, trading only to the long side, but using the micros for it because this is one of those things where I feel like you could wake up and this thing could be at a hundred bucks, no problem. And I guess you were going to say something. Go ahead. I mean, I mean, it's very volatile when you see, you know, it moving, you know three four bucks a day right i mean 
you know, which I think is, you know, I think that's good for, you know, to use the minis and the micros in that in that way, if you're, especially if you're a new trader, because crude can get away from you really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is, it's like, I look at, I'm so glad that they added the micros actually for this exact reason, because I could sleep at night now a little bit. You know, you put your wider stops, your scale, and I've been putting scales in and stops and, and targets all over the place, and you're able to actually trade the move versus like you know trying to be so so price sensitive with it. But I want to stay on the fundamentals a little bit um, with you. What is what would you say is that is that I know we're talking about Russia and Ukraine, but what is really the fundamentals behind the scenes oh, like right now, Kuro? Right, but, I, mean, I think the yes. bigger worries right now, as far as crude oil is concerned, I mean, forget, you know, hopefully this is temporary with Russia, Ukraine, but really the what's driving price, what's the real problem is that um, we have OPEC doesn't have the scare, uh, spare capacity. Um, Russia, Luke Oil said they were going to run out of spare capacity in May. We have 134 percent. Um, uh, compliance in that OPEC plus, which means that they are not able to produce as much as uh, their quotas are concerned, right? And then we have the U.S. And then on the U.S. side, we have, you know, um, all the major, the, the big shale producers have basically said, I mean, basically said they're only willing to invest as much as they can to keep production flat this year, right? So they're not looking to go all out and, you know, start producing like crazy like they used to in the past and at the same time we're seeing world demand um keep increasing right we should be um you know well over 103 million barrels per day globally um uh, by the summer which is you know higher than 2019 levels that's I mean, consumption we, right that's how much we're using per day that's yeah that's global consumption the united states alone um, as of the last EIA report was 22.1 million barrels a day. That's well above 2019 levels. So even though we're seeing price increases, we're not seeing demand destruction yet. So you, I, a quick thing before we get back to UPEX, um, as I didn't forget about you, my friend. I know you got a good, you're having a good hair day too, by the way. Did you go extra, extra on the gel today? I think, I think no, you no, did. I, I changed it up. I put a little paste in there. <laughs> Okay. You guys so, are putting me to shame. <laughs> <laughs> we got you in the middle, Trace. Um, so 103 million a day is consumption. How much is being produced right now? So um, less than that. Well, I mean, <laughs> so less than that. So we're, I mean, that's projected consumption. I mean, right now yeah. consumption is a little bit below. Um, well, it depends on who you ask. So we'll say 99 to 100 right now. Okay. Um, because um, you know it's it's very hard to track when really there are only a, a few countries that actually um, that actually track it well. The United States being one of them. <laughs> um, and so we're producing less than that. We're probably at around ninety-seven. So we're already at a we're already at a deficit, right? Man, it just. I mean, Pax, what, what do you think about everything she's saying? It's just so hard to even think that oil's gonna got can come down much. It's amazing. Tracy, how much, I don't know if this is even a, a legit question, but how much of this is are, are, is OPEC plus and even the shale producers uh, adjusting for the damage done in, in the downturn, you know, going back into April of 20 uh, into, into that, you know, how, right. how much are they, how much are they holding the price up by, by, by restricting, um, uh, well, I mean, part of the reason is is that they are not able to produce. <laughs> they're not able to 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 produce that much, right? The United States constraint is more. Um, I mean, it's a, a little bit more uh, difficult in the United States because you know you have shale producers. You know, they want to focus on capital discipline, free cash flow, um, high dividends, and stock buybacks. That's all investors want to see right now, right? And then, and they've been dog stocks for years right mm -hmm. um so you know they don't you know there's we're starting to see you know stock prices i mean look at their stock prices look what they've done since 2020 so they don't really want to um they don't want to derail that right they want to keep their investors also i mean 
um, during this whole period, we had a, you know, you have duck wells, which are drilled but uncompleted wells, right? And you usually have a big stock of those because of the decline, natural decline rates and, and shale wells are, are very high. Um, so you usually have like a stock, right, that you can drill into. But the thing is, is that we've drawn down the ducks as well. So we don't even have that um, kind of in the pipeline like that, that we were. So it's going to, you know, cost them a lot more to start re, you know, re drilling those kind of wells that, um, and nobody wants to do it. I mean, so and, basically, and, and it's getting a little bit difficult, right? I mean, um, Biden just, you know, there was a, just a lawsuit and Biden turned around and um, stopped drilling permits again for the second time in a year. So, you know, running up against the government problems as well. But basically it just sounds to me as though that they're, even if they wanted to try and fix this quickly, you they can't. can't, it's just not yeah. going to happen. Right? right. I mean, I mean, I'm smart enough to know that that's unlikely anyway, but I mean, just hearing it from you just confirms it. So, you know, this is an ongoing issue. So to me, you know, I want to go back to UPEX a little bit because as a trader, right? When we see this and a lot of people are out there, you know, they're trading crude oil. Um, when you hear something like this and you look at the charts of crude oil, what's your approach to trading it? Uh, I'm going to go back to the opening range again. So every morning it's going to be the opening range. Whatever, I, I, I didn't trade crude this morning, so I don't know what the OR was. But whatever whatever we're doing from that area, I'm, I'm, going, to be, I'm going to be looking to be long above it and short below it. The patterns that we've had the, these these last few weeks is, you know, we take something off after they open, we break a little bit, break a little bit, break a little bit, only to explode lower, or I mean, explode higher later on. So it's just using those, you know, it's, I haven't been trading crude a whole lot lately, but it's been using those those uh, those simple set of criteria, um, you know, for me to just take a view into the market and then to trade to trade out, you know, so that just like every other trade that I ever make, when I initiate a trade, I'm going to pay for it, you know, remove my risk and then. And then let the market run up to up to targets and take some uh, some profit as we go on, and then try to build a position. But that's the problem with this market, this crude market. And one of the reasons why I stopped trading it is because I'm not able to build risk-free positions. By the time we come up, we scratch them out the next day, only to come up another, you know, two, three, four dollars. It's just this it's, it's this is a little bit more difficult. This is why I'm using the so, micros, man, because this is point. there's no way. I mean, you and I've been doing this a long time. We could trade the big ones. If I'm going to sit in a swing position in the big oil, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I want to keep this hair color, right? You know, I, I can't, there's only so long, I, I so much my body can handle. And for me, I like a, a couple of things that you said. First off, the opening range going to a very simple uh, tool because it is a tool, right? Look at where we are for the year. And this is something I want to go over. I think is a really good checklist for traders. When you've got fundamentals, coinciding with technicals and you could just go to the basic technicals for this i don't think you need to have a crazy strategy no you it, don't. it really helps you eliminate one side of the market you know for me i'm not looking at any sort of crude oil shorts i put a tweet out the other day saying don't be the chump looking for the quick buck you know mm -hmm. i'd rather be late to a trend than than early on a reversal because especially in the crude oil market or, in, or i think a commodity markets because they can go look what we saw in lumber i mean who's to say that doesn't happen with crude oil Oh, I think gosh. the only thing I could say to traders is when you see these types of things happening, you get a volatile market. I just eliminate one side of the market. You know, when I hear stuff from like that from Tracy and I go to my charts and say, look, it, this is happening. Just eliminate one side to keep myself from getting run over. I'd rather lose long and crude than get, you know, losing and lose short. I mean, I don't know what you guys both think about that, but just like eliminating one side. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, when you see a trending market, you know, I, easier to go with the trend <laughs> you know what i'm saying but i've seen tons and tons of people try to short this market and it's just powering through those right yeah i mean it's what's driving it even up even more I mean, you exactly. know same thing with, with same thing with equities this year everyone trying to buy the dips i mean the other day you know i've been trading a little nasdaq here and there love my nasdaq and you know i i bought the down move on a day where i'm like look at opening range is still the high of the year i stepped in a couple times you know, had a nice little runner, brought back down, got out, got back in again. And next thing you know, I'm getting smoked on it. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why am I forcing that one side? I should be forcing the other side. And that's just to me, it's, I don't care how long we've been doing this. It's just so easy to do it because when you feel like a move is about done or you didn't catch it psychologically, it's, it's a barrier. But this goes back to, 
I like that, you know, that simple opening range for the year keeps me, you know, present to what's happening for the year and opening range for the day is pretty simple uh, uh, tool as well. Just to give you that reminder, where do we do, you know, you know, it's funny, I was looking at Tesla this morning. I know it's talking about futures, but I've been watching that 200 day moving average in it to buy it on my long-term stuff, opened up right above it. Opening range is the high day it broke. I bought it a little bit. And next thing you know, it started getting buried. I dumped it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll wait for another day. But that opening range helped me get out of that. And that's not a day trade for me. That was something I'm looking to actually was to buy a little bit around there. And, you know, so we, we have the tools that we have to, to help us become better. Now, I want to start talking a little bit about the equity markets because, Trace, we're going to go back to you and just say, what is it? What do you believe is the main drivers? We're going to talk, you know, macro fundamental side of things here. As I mean, to why equities are getting beat up. Yeah, I, I'm thinking it's all about the Fed, right? It's all about rate hikes. Everybody's worried about that because, um, you know, if we take the nearest example, 2018, right? They hiked, equities got smoked, and, you know, the markets, you know, factoring in what, six or seven rate hikes, you have like B of A come out and say nine rate. I, I don't know what these people are smoking. I don't personally see that happening um you know but you know that i think that's the one of the main drivers why the market's so skittish lately obviously the stuff with russia and ukraine doesn't help either but really i think the basic fundamental behind behind that is um is is you know the fed right and anticipating what the fed's gonna do because oh. yeah. as soon as they started getting a little bit of hawkish the market got skittish well, they're anticipating is five five rate hikes this year, right? I mean, I think that's what yeah. the Fed Watch tool was telling me on CME. Pex, go ahead. What were you What were you going to say? Say it's funny because you know it, it, we're considering it hawkish since we still have real negative rates and um, uh, and the Fed is still you know they 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 haven't started quantitative tightening yet. They're they're peeling back, but I, we're still in a stimulus environment. It, it's it's. To Tracy's point, you know, what, how, where's the Powell pivot this time? What are they going to do? They can't possibly, <clears throat> they're in a box, you know, they're, they're, they're boxed in. They put themselves in a box like Thelma and Louise at the, at the end of the movie, you know, when, when they know that the police are co co converging on them. I don't know if this is a ridiculous thought, but, you know, they just go, ah, forget it. And they go right over the hill. I think we're going over the hill. What's the Fed going to do at this point? We're just going to keep. We just get the, the more hawkish they get, the lower we go. And the lower we go, the more they're going to have to artificially try to find different ways of, of pumping up this market. This Meanwhile, is once again from one, one, one price target, one, one, one um, uh, technical target to the next technical target, back and forth and in between. I mean, once again, I was just going to say this is just like it's crude oil, but in the opposite way, right? You've got, yes. you've got fundamentals coinciding with technicals, both. Uh, both of them are working in this opposite uh, direction right now. And, and that's another thing I look at crude is like, what's working this year? You know, the people got it. What are they buying? And, you know, they're buying the things that are working. And a lot of times the things that are working, they just keep buying just because they're working. And the things that aren't working, they keep selling because they're not working. You know, and that's why I like doing stuff like this, because to me, that's, it just gives that you that mindset of once again, just eliminating that one side of the market because these things can go. I mean, Pax, I want to stay with you just for a minute. I mean, so what what is your overall assessment of this type of environment? In the past, have you seen anything quite like this? And how are you approaching trading this environment? Um, you know, I, I don't like fading markets. You know, I think that faders end up, like Tracy was saying earlier, you go against the trend, you're going to get run over. I know a lot of people that made a lot of money fading. They always give it back. Um I'm just so I'm using I'm using my my technicals and I'm using the opening range and I'm using my execution to be able to get me from from these bigger levels. I've been tweeting these bigger targets a lot, you know, some from the S&P, from the the uh, um, the high of this move from 4808 down to the yearly opening range down to 4636 to 4602 to 4542 to 4464 to 4324 of the 200 day in there, too to 4324 to 4265 to 4222 and underneath there to 4187 June expiration we get under there we're in the 39 handle pretty quickly that's 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 a scary proposition or a scary idea for me fundamentally and what's going on in the country and what's happening now politically we get back down there that far you know what happens to inflation what happens to 
to people on a fixed income, what happens to everybody that's just trying to survive to make it right now? Their 401ks are, are cut in half. Their retirement plans are cut in half. Not Maybe not cut in half, but you know, they're down significantly from where they are and they're losing more purchasing power. We're, it's a scary time. I, I, I'm bearish, and I think we're going, I, I, I think as long as these markets stay under these bigger levels, then we'll continue to see these next levels. So, you know, sentimentally, in my sentiment, I'm, I'm bearish, but I'll trade the price action as it is. I'll trade the market as it presents itself to me. Before I get to you, Tracy, get to you. Area, but so Pax, when you saying that, you're, you know, your sentiment is bearish, if you get an opening range low of the day, and let's just say that we don't have one of your big picture areas ever, uh, around there, are you taking a long? It depends. Um, normally, yeah, but you know, the market, the different marketing conditions means that I have to apply the same principles in different ways. So if we're stuck in a, if we're if not stuck, but if we're trading in a, in a trending market where you know, the low of the opening range is going to be the low of the day. And I'll, I'll be long that day. Yeah. Uh, in these, in, in these times, I'm taking less opening range trades out of the opening range and I'm taking more, more bigger swing trades. To me, a swing isn't time in a trade. To me, a swing trade is defined by price. So if I'm short from, from 44.64, I'm going to take that down to 43.24 and take profit. We get under there, I'm going to add. Now, the last two days, our opening ranges have been around that big macro level for me at 43.24. So I like I like that opening range. So less on the uh, micro, you know, daily standpoint, and more on the swing standpoint. I want to be long above forty three twenty four, and I want to be short below it. Right now we're churning around it, and I'm flat. I'll wait until we take out forty two sixty five though, and then underneath there I'll start to think about getting short again. Everybody, just so you know, I am seeing your questions. I will get to all of your questions in the end along. Uh, so if you guys have any questions about what we're talking about, be sure to put them in chat. I will get to them and I also will bring them up throughout the discussion. Uh, if it's relevant, I want to go back to you, Trace. Peck says that his sentiment is bearish. What's your sentiment on equities right now? Um, well, that, well, that, I mean, if we're talking about the indices, I mean, indices. I mean, it, indices. Yeah, if we're talking about indices, then I mean, I, I'm with Pax on this one. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it, it's I, all I mean, stemming from the fed. In bearish, um, well, that and and the price action. I mean, yeah, you know, look at the, just the price action. I mean, you you going up and retesting levels and rejecting. So you know, just like mm -hmm. Pax said, you gotta look at your levels. If you get above those, then you know you can start you know looking at the long side of this market. But so far, you know, it doesn't. I mean, just from a technical standpoint, it's not looking too bullish here. <laughs> so let's let's let me address both of this uh, to, to the two of you. We'll stay with you, Trace. We'll go back to the back to packs. Technicals aside, what is one thing that you would look for in a headline to say? You know what? I think this table's turned. I'm going to start looking long. My sentiment should be could be shifting. Oh, to anything the Fed says that sounds remotely dovish. <laughs> <laughs> So it just could be even a, a remotely dovish type of topic you think is going to turn anything this thing remotely dovish or you know um, any sort of hesitation <laughs> on raising rates in March. Um, you know I know we've seen that percentage kind of go, go down a little bit because of Russia Ukraine. People have said you know they don't think the Fed's going to be able to hike into that um, as well into a slowing economy. But really, you just I mean take you know. Take it from the Fed. It's just like in 2020 in March, right? The Fed basically came in and said, we're going to do everything you can. That was the bottom, literally that day, right? Uh -huh. So, um, you know, I think all eyes are on the Fed. So I think if we hear anything remotely dovish or if, you know, they decide um, for some reason not to raise rates or they raise rates, you know, like, um, you know, like, what, like, 10 basis points or instead of, you know, 25, you know, I mean, everybody's, you know, everybody was expecting a, like 50 basis points, which yeah. that definitely doesn't look like it's going to happen right now. But if they do a lot less, you know, I think that could help the market a little bit, or if they skip it on, uh, you know, on the March meeting, which, um, which I know a lot of people would be angry about. <laughs> that will be that will be a meeting not to miss because I don't trade a lot of Fed days that much anymore. But yeah. that's a meeting. I won't I won't miss that day. Pax, what are you thinking? What would be the one thing to turn you bullish aside from technicals? Um, you know, I, I'm going to always defer to to people like Tracy, to Ira Harris, to Peter Bookvar. Um, I, I I'm just going to follow like 
like Canfield says, I'm going to follow price. You know, I'm just going to if we get above 4602 in the S&P, then I'll then then I'll start. I'll start thinking that maybe we put in a low and I'll start looking from um, in a more bullish standpoint. When we get above, if we get a back above the early opening range at, at 4758 in the S&P to 71, then I'll be bullish. Um, you know, certainly looking for a rally up to 53. But if we start taking out this 4220 area, Anthony, we're, we're in trouble. So I'm not really going to pay much attention to the headlines. I, I'm not smart enough and I'm not educated enough to be, and I don't read enough to be able to decipher that. It's all about execution mindset and technical awareness for me. Not technical analysis, technical awareness. Let me ask you a quick I mean, thing, a question though. So what would be, a, would be, would there be another market driver, like maybe the bonds or crude oil yes. or gold, something happening that would say, you know what, this could be a trigger for me to start being bullish equities. Yeah, if they, if it, it, I think that if we see another break, if, if this rally in gold and silver, uh, copper, but it's primarily gold, if we see a break in gold, um, then then I think we're going to start. If we see if we see them taking money out of gold, I think we'll see. Well, I think we'll see a big influx of cash into into the equities again. Um, bonds have been you know a little bit erratic. Uh, if, if bonds start going higher again, who knows? You know, meaning bonds going higher. Remember that means rates are going lower. So if bonds start to be bought again, I, I think also they're going to start putting money back into the indices again. I you know I, I I'm, I'm again even then I'm going to let price dictate. But if 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 gold starts to be if gold starts to be sold off again, I'm going to be looking for cash come, uh, you know, capital flows coming back into the indices. Yeah, I mean that's just yeah. having market awareness. Of course, price is what's going to drive all of us. I mean, I know that, and even with Trace, as much as she's gotten so good at the macro side, she'll still look at obviously the price action. But oh, absolutely, it, it's important to know these triggers, though. You know, to me, it's like I'm not a macro trader at all. I never claimed to be one, right? I'm definitely more technical, but I keep my eye and my ear open, right? Because if I see something that's impacting my market, then that could be something that tells me that my trend could be changing. So I like to know these things more or less for awareness, things I keep around and saying, look at, well, PAC says gold and, and copper is getting clipped, you know, and crude oil, all of a sudden commodities start to go down. Maybe that starts to bring back into equity. It's just something to keep an eye on. Um, guys, we're going to take a 30 second break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what positions we have on. And I'm going to start going to questions. Traders, put your questions in chat because we're going to be asking them to shy girl and pass when we get back, back in 30. Replace your exchange with TradeStation Crypto. Dealing with multiple exchanges is complicated and it takes time, except with TradeStation Crypto. Because we are not an exchange. We are a broker. You have access to multiple pools of liquidity, all in one platform, in one account, one way. Trade crypto your way. Plus, earn interest on your eligible cryptocurrencies. Get started in one click. So we're back. And so coming off that little uh, trade station commercial there, crypto, I'm just curious, before we get into the positions, I mean... I mean, I'm I'm short Bitcoin right now, and that is really because of a technical reason, and also because over the years, uh, you know, you see when equities get clipped, it's just really hard for crypto to hang on. So I've been short, you know, some Bitcoin, uh, you know, using the futures for that. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on crypto? We'll start with you, Trace. Uh, you, uh, you're asking the wrong words. No thoughts I on it. Not, I know I do not trade crypto. I have like I have like one ethereum that i just have owned forever that i'm just sitting on <laughs> i know i'm terrible so pax what do you think about uh crypto you were tweeting uh, about I'm, bitcoin stuff for a while it's so uh, volatile I, I don't know how you trade it it's oh, it is it. so listen I, I hate hearing that you're short i've got my poor 16 year old son like 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 putting 20 dollars of every paycheck from jimmy johns that he makes for making people sandwiches into into his um uh you know what a coinbase wallet so i feel kind of bad but i'm bullish you know i and i think uh i'm bullish i'm bullish i'm flat bitcoin i'd like to buy more around 28 to thirty thousand. if we get down there if we get underneath 26 to twenty-eight thousand, i think the rally i think i think that that's going to to, to give away strength too but i i'm i i'm late coming to the crypto stage but I'm fascinated by it. I love it. I think it's interesting as you can possibly get. Tracy, it trades. You know, the volatility of, the, uh, of it reminds me of the way that the NASDAQ traded before 
um, back in, yeah. you know, yeah. r- right after the bubble burst in 2000, when we still created the, the, the volume before, before the algorithms and the HFTs created the volume, oh my Lord, it, it, you know, that's how the NASDAQ traded it. And at, that was some fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So I don't, I'm older now. I guess I don't have the, uh, um, the energy to trade to trade Bitcoin like I would the Nasdaq, uh, but I still like uh, I still like trading it. I like trading the futures more than I do the uh, uh, the actual Bitcoin. Uh, I'm always long some spot. I'm long Bitcoin spot and, and ETH spot. I mean ETH. I've been buying that for a while, but it, it, for the trade side of it, uh, for me, I, I just feel like Bitcoin. It's just hard for me to look away from an opening range high of the year. Equities getting clipped. No, and no, no. I just look at that. I look at Bitcoin chart and I just say, it's expensive here. It's just the way I feel. I mean, are you looking I, for I, oh. I think, you know, for me, Bitcoin is going back in the 20,000s area. I mean, I think it could go as low as 20,000. I mean, I'll be rotating in and out of shorts and futures, but I, I do believe that that's possible um, from what I see on the chart. I mean, I could be wrong. I start making, you know, new highs again. I'm wrong. I've been wrong before, but I'm going to, I've been playing it short for a little while now. Uh, just the action just is, is just looks terrible to me, but, um, before, but you're still here. See, that's the thing. You, yeah. you're not on the risk. No, you know, that's, it's no joke. Cause I think that people forget that, especially the crypto traders who don't know what it's like to, to, to trade. You know, when we were trading at 50, 60,000, everybody was up money trading Bitcoin. You know, now that we're back under some pretty important levels, I think people are starting to feel the, the heat, you know, you're yeah. still here, even though you've been wrong before. Because you, you you're managing your risk properly. I just clip out. I mean, you and I know this. We the three of us have been around a while. I just clip out when I'm wrong. I mean, as much as it ticks me off, right? You just you're out. It's over. Move on. I mean, you you and I have talked a little bit about this. Is that if you know where you're getting out before you're getting in on the wrong side, you already start healing before you even get into Absolutely. the trade. So I already know where I'm wrong in Bitcoin, right? You know, to me right now in the short term, if it gets back above forty two ish thousand, I'm I'm going to be buying them back, but you know, it stays here. I'm going to just keep riding it. And you know, so that's just, and I've already accepted that. Like in my mind, I've already accepted it's a one up there and I click to get out. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's, it is an important thing to talk about because these crypto people, they have the way that they just hold things. It's just, I'm not built like that when it's not working for me. Goodbye. They don't know where they're wrong. You can't eat paper profit, but you can sure as shit choke on. Can you say that? (laughs) You can sure choke on, on, on paper, paper losses. That's right. So I think he yelled at Jimmy <laughs> swear. Oh, you did you think Jimmy swore on her? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. With the glasses that he had, I love him. He is the oh, best. God. Um awesome. so I want to go to you, Trace. Positions. What are you positioned in right now? What am I in right now? I'm in literally all commodity equities. Like I'm in all oil, gas, and materials. That's it. Like literally. <laughs> that's it that's my entire portfolio right now is they're all all uh, energy or materials so <clears throat> i'm long um some gold miners a couple platinum miners a lot of oil companies um a lot of a couple nat gas companies ar lng um a couple food companies um I like agriculture too. Um, that's really what I'm. That's all I'm in right now. So I'm just looking at some of the questions, and I'm going to go to some of these now because I think it's important. Fertilizer. So, but yeah, fertilizer. That's what somebody was putting. MOS and IPI. Yep. I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, so yeah, because that was the oil question that Matt is asking, and I was reading this, and I'm like. Um, this is hi all question for Tracy from Matt Sutton. Do you see more strength in fertilizers going for, forward with rising interest rates? Well, I think we're going to see uh, more strength in fertilizers just because of the higher energy costs, right? So um, you need nat gas to make to make fertilizer. So as you know, we see elevated energy prices. Um, we're going to keep seeing ele- elevated. Uh, fertilizer prices. And, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, companies um, globally have had to cut back on production because energy costs are so high. And we're seeing that in the smelting industry, too, um, where we're having a lot of um, zinc smelters um, offline in Europe right now, just because the the energy cost, the input to um, 
to smelt <laughs> is so is so high. So as long as we have higher energy prices, when and, and energy is an input cost for you know most everybody, but in particular, you know, in particular for the fertilizer industry and for um, and for the mining industry. Um, so if you have elevated costs there, um, that those are it's definitely going to have direct effect on those markets. So it, yes, I see more strength in fertilizer. I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with you just for one more second, Trace, because obviously because you're, you're bullish commodities, obviously this is, um, I want to pick your brain a little bit about the dollar and a little bit about the energy policy right now, because right. Jim asked this question. So Anthony, speaking of fundamentals, could you ask either of your guests, we're going to ask Trace this, we'll have Pax chime in as well, uh, to highlight the Biden administration's current energy policy. Thank you. Or lack of. Or lack of, I mean, <laughs> or lack of. Well, here's the problem right now. You know, I mean, uh, what we're seeing. You know, they should they they stop Keystone XL right right away, um, and then you know again they just uh, suspended permits, right? And so um, we've already tried an SPR release, which there's just not a, enough oil in the SPR. First of all, you don't want to draw it down. It's it's a national security yep. issue. Um, second of all, we've already drawn it down. It, it's been the lowest it's been since basically its inception. Um, so we don't really want to draw down anymore. And it doesn't really mean there's not enough that, you know, 50 million barrels is half a day of OPEX production. So, um, you know, we can't just keep drawing that down. So there's really um, nothing that they could do right now except for um, lift regulations, you know, get let uh, drillers drill permits even you know even if they open that wide open then again we don't have that many companies that really want to drill that much right now and so um you know that thus we have a we have a problem Free markets huh and you can't go asking other countries to go produce more oil it just doesn't work that way like we said this is not going to be a quick fix no, no. matter what they decide so uh, I, I mean <sighs> Trace, I'm looking at the dollar lately. I mean, I always keep an eye on it. Um, uh -huh. Interesting to see the dollar railing with commodities. I don't know how uh -huh. many times this has happened in the past. I'm not somebody who's watched commodities close enough over the years to know if a dollar rally like this, um, well, how much yeah. it's impacted. What are your thoughts on I that? I mean, well, the thought, we see this. We've seen this often. Everybody thinks it's a one-to-one -one correlation, right? It's not. Over the long term, you do have um, you do have a, a correlation, but it's definitely not a one-to-one -one correlation. Whereas, you know, you see the dollar up, that means commodities are going down also right now what you have is you know you also have a lot of people using oil as an inflation hedge so even though the dollar is going up they're still piling into into that market right and and now we're seeing kind of that um now we're seeing people go into gold for other reasons so it doesn't matter if the dollar's you know going higher it's you know people are still you know piling into hard assets right now right as opposed to tech stocks, for example. Pax, what are your thoughts on that, seeing the dollar up with commodities? You, you actually used to trade in the pits in some of the commodities. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on it. I, I, I was interested to see what Tracy's thoughts on it were because it's everything seems to be, um, everything changed since I was trading hogs in, in you know, the, the early, the late 2000 aughts to the tens. Um, quantitative easing, 0% uh, interest rates, Negative interest rates seems to have changed the way that capital flows work in my mind anyway. So I'm really interested in trying to understand what you know what 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 this rally in the dollar means for not, not just not just commodities, but um, but but for for interest rates for my gosh for the long term implications of 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 um, not the indices but equities in, in themselves. I. I will make money regardless of where the markets go. You know, I'll, I'll be short S&P. I flattened up my position yesterday at 42.65. We get under there, I'll put them back on. But, you know, the my aunt and uncle who, you know, who my uncle was a truck driver his whole life, who who's re relied on his on his pension now. You know, it's it's those people that I'm that I'm terrified for. My brothers who have been working their whole lives and have been pouring money into their my brother's a cop. My brother Donnie, who's a uh, uh, a salesman, pouring money into his, their deferred comp 401k. You know what's going to happen to them when you know it, it, the dollar continues to rally and 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 
indices continue to erode and equities continue. I, what happens? Prices continue to go higher. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we always say the environments are always changing. They're always different. And I think a lot of what we talked about today is two, two takeaways so far is one is <clears throat> the energy policy and what we're seeing in energy is not an easy fix. They're boxed in, right? That's probably not going to change overnight in, in the global landscape of things. No. Then you have the Fed with the same situation with stocks. Both opening ranges are one's the high, one's the low. You have markets that are set in trends that you know, just to me, it just it, it's just solidifying. You just really can't really be fading any of these trends happening right now. And it's really early in the year. I mean, there's a lot of the year to be played out. So there could be a lot of volatility along the way, of course. But it really could be a year to where these just markets, what is set in trend now, could stay that way because there is no real easy way out of any of these situations. It's just kind of what I'm taking from it. You yeah, know, one I mean thing I wanted to add something too. is I, I don't mean to... to to be evasive in answering the question, but I stopped trying to figure out the fundamentals a long time ago. And that's why Tracy is one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Uh, no, truth, truthfully, Tracy, I mean, I go, I go to your, one of the first things I do in the morning is I go read your, 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 um, uh, your Twitter feed, you know, why I read everything that Ira Harris puts out. And Ira comes in, you know, I have a conversation with him two, three times a week and Peter Bookfar, I read everything he does. You know, it, I don't, I don't have the time to be, to, to sit, we got five kids and too much going on. I don't have time to sit and read, and, and to, you know the the amount of work that Tracy needs to put in to get to to have this fundamental view is it's not something I've got. The, I don't have the benefit of that time, especially if I'm going to continue to be an effective trader. I'm I'm just going to follow and I'm going to trade the market, you know, from from one swing level to the next swing level. I'm going to continue to make money. And when we take out these bigger levels, like. You know, I keep talking about 4265 because that's where we stopped. I'm going to start hammering them down until 3912 again, you know, 40, well, 40, 48, and then 3912. It's simple for me. I just follow yeah. that price hammer. Trace, you were going to say something uh, about what I talked now. about. It's okay. So, Pax, <laughs> think about it. And we'll get back to you in a second because, uh, Pax, a lot of people are asking, what are your big picture levels right now? Um, just give us in the markets that you're trading. You know, the ones that everyone really should be keeping an eye out. So he's saying, what are the big picture levels from, from David? So gold, um, I'm long gold. I'm still long gold. Um, gold above the that yearly opening range of 1828 to 1830 takes us up to where we are now, 1906, 1916. Above that, it takes us up to 1963. And then we're up into the 20. Holy cow. Gold can start to roll, uh, really roll up here. Um back to something that Ira would always say is that gold isn't a hedge against inflation. Gold is a hedge against the central banks losing control of monetary policy. And I think that's what we're starting to see. Um, S&P, the, the, you know, in, in descending order, something like that. Is that what you want me to do? Yeah. Just the closest levels. I mean, you know, this, we're pretty relevant to everything we're talking about today. You don't need to get too, too far away, but I think around us right now, what's important to you? What's important is is going to be thirty uh, Friday's opening range thirty nine seventy eight, which is a big level for me. Thirty nine seventy eight to thirty nine twenty four, thirty nine twenty four down to twenty uh, forty two ninety two, down to forty two sixty five, down to forty two twenty two, down to forty one eighty seven. That's huge, and the fact that we have not gotten back to that level, that June expiration price is still, you know, we're trading at the lower end of this range. We take that out. That's that's it. I think that's the last big line of, of defense uh, for for the S&P. Underneath 41.87, we'll be at maybe 140 lower quickly, down to 40, 49 to 50. Underneath there, the 39, um, 39.12. We get underneath 39.12, we'll be in the yearly opening range of 2021, which is 37.56.53. Underneath there, it'll be, you know, It'll be in trouble. NASDAQ from 14,756, another huge level. The downside target is going to be 14,107. Under 14,107, it's like 13,000, you know, uh, 13,706, 13,710, that low of January 24th that we tested yesterday. If we take that out, if we if we take out yesterday's low, January 24th's low in, in the NASDAQ, then the NASDAQ is headed back to 12,800. That's a, there's a lot of room in the NASDAQ to run underneath 13,710, uh, 13, a lot of room. Now, I'm not trading NASDAQ. I, I haven't traded NASDAQ primarily as a primary market for a while. But um, 
That's why you look so That's fresh. Look- <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen me when I was drinking. Everything. I was 30 pounds heavier, smoked a lot. <laughs> One after the other. Uh, so underneath one one more target on NASDAQ underneath 13,000 uh what was it 13,710 13,400 in that area is going to be it, it'll be like 14,000 I mean no now the numbers are jumbling in my mind 13,440 is going to be like uh um uh it'll equal 4187 in the S&P so watch those two downside targets we start taking out those two levels then the, the, then we're in trouble so Trace, you talk about level to level. I want to pick your brain because you're so much in energy right now. What are the levels to be watching for in crude oil to the downside uh, and the upside? Anything uh, significant that you think? Yeah, hold on one second. Let me just bring up the chart. In the meantime, everybody, keep putting your questions in. Um, thank you so much for asking all these questions. I will get to as many as I can. We got about 10 minutes left. I mean, if, if we see a major pullback, I mean, I think that we could revisit 8702, 8548, um, and then I would definitely swing long there. <laughs> yeah. If we got back to 8548 area, um, you know, I think that I, I think that would be a welcome pullback, um, and I think you could probably swing that higher into the summer. That's yes. funny. 85-ish areas I, area I have is a big area that I look at as well. <clears throat> I feel the exact same way. Same number I've got. I'm looking at my bigger picture stuff. I'm like, if that level holds this thing, you know, 100 plus, I think at some point. Um, so Trace, a question for you. Uh, let me go back to it here. Okay. So this is from Ed. Saw the Expedia CEO predict summer 2022 travel will be huge due Retail gasoline purchases have a major impact on crude prices. How quick does that impact occur? Um, as far as travel, well, uh, I, I mean, gasoline prices are uh, more affected by crude prices, right? So if you we have higher crude prices, obviously uh, we're going to have higher gasoline prices. It doesn't work the other way around. So you know, if we have a high travel season, right? Then, which I am expecting. Um, that's going to kick up crude prices, which will probably in turn kick up gasoline prices. Now, the question really here is, at what price do we see sort of demand destruction? Because we're so far, we're not seeing it at all. At all. Um, so, you know, I mean, could we get, you know, back, you know, I mean, obviously California is well above $4, but, you know, could we see $5 gasoline again? Um, you know, but that we did back at, um, at, during the Obama era, you know, quite possibly. But, you know, again, I can't answer it. Do I think there's going to be demand destruction? I actually don't. I think more people are driving uh, more than ever. I think the whole pandemic kind of scared people away from um, from public transportation. Um, I mean, if you look at car sales and used car sales, I mean, they're flying off, you know, everybody's buying a car. Um, and people started moving out of cities. So they're, you know, they're driving more. So yeah, I, I think that it's kind of a different dynamic. So the threshold for where we see demand destruction will probably be a lot higher than um, what people anticipate. Quick question about um, that follow-up for me. It, it would be, where can we see the consumption versus, you know, just, a, uh, I know we talked about 103 million barrels per day is in consumption right now globally um, versus how much is being produced. Is there an easy place to go and see that number for comparison? Uh, there's not, for global numbers, there's not an easy place to see that. Um, what about U.S.? You know, but if you go to the U.S., obviously the, the best place to go is EIA, right? Um, go to This Week in Petroleum. Um, and, um, you know, you can see what the levels are. Um, and things like that. If you want to kind of look at gasoline consumption and travel trends, go to gasbuddy.com. Yeah, GasBuddy's great. It is. You know, great, I, isn't it? I started using that. Um, you know, moving in Florida when I when we had the hurricane, I had to just look to see who even had gas. Yes, right. You know, it's it's a it's a really a cool it's a cool app. So um, they have consumption, and you know, there's all sorts of good information. Oh, I didn't even know that on there. 
Uh, I want to go back to you, Pax, and we'll actually end and probably with this question for both of you because I think it's a really great, great question by J. David Sapp. We talked a lot about volatility today, everybody, right? And when we talked about just you know fundamentals coinciding with technicals, and David is asking, how do you control risk when market is really whippy? When it's harder huh. to tell a trade is invalidated, a standard stop gets taken out too easily on a wick, less size and wider stop, or what? We'll go with you, Pax. Um, and so the right or right out mentality that I have, I, I, I still do. Um, but when, you know, when I adjust my trading style to the volatility, so I stop taking more opening range trades, you know, uh, opening range 23, I'm long at 23 half, you know, I'm not doing that right now. I'm trading these targets to target. So I'm going to initiate and I'm going to, I'm going to initiate my, my, um, uh, my normal size, depending on how the market is trading around these targets, I might, um, I might stage myself in like I stage my way out, you know? So I'm going to, I'm going to enter with a, a partial of my unit. And if the market is telling me at that point that they're not taking out this level, then I'm going to go ahead and start to add. And, and as that market continues to, re, to, to trade above or below a certain target, um, then I'm going to trade it like I always do. So it's just applying the same principles in different ways. Uh, you know, so, you know, I think that, uh, David, I think that, that um, I don't know what size you're trading and I don't know what markets you are, uh, Mike, but let me, let me, let me rephrase a little bit of this. Uh, I'm always asking myself about, I don't, I don't lose money, right? I spend money in the markets. So I'm always asking myself is, is, are the expenses that I'm taking relative to the price action right now, is it going to be worth it? with this level holding, getting me to that next level. So, you know, I might've gotten chopped up at 44.64, trying to initiate that trade, but knowing that we are gonna go to these lower levels, to me, that expense was worth it, or the risk was worth the reward. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna start to, to, um, uh, to enter my position a little bit slower. I'm going to still keep that right or right out mentality, but I might widen my stops a little bit. So cutting your size and widen your stops is, but knowing, always knowing like Anthony and I were taught in the beginning stages of our career by the same person, always knowing where your outs are before you take the trade. This is something Mickey often drilled in our minds as baby traders, know your outs, know before you take a trade, where are you going to get out for, for in my, my, in my verbiage, you know, where am I going to get up for an expense? Where are you going to get out for a loss and where are you going to get out for profit? Too many of us focus, you know, too many of us uh, focus more on, uh, too many of us focus more on profit management, not enough on risk management. And also too few of us focus too much on, on risk management, not enough on profit management. It's another balance and another, it's another nuance that we need exactly. to strike in order to be able to, to have a long career. Like, like Anthony was saying earlier, he's been wrong plenty of times and he's been wrong big, but yet, you know, and so have I, my God, but we're still here and still doing it and still making money doing it. Trace, Trace, you're trading in a real volatile environment with the energy markets right now, trying to stay with the trend that is just, like we said, it keeps going up, but how do you stay with it? How are you executing so, right now? I mean, I think, again, I think this is when, um, you know, um, well, especially when I was trading crude futures a lot more, um, you know, I think this is where those smaller contracts really come in handy because this market is so whippy, right? So you can put a few on, you can scale into a move, scale out of a move a lot better than, you know, throwing all your eggs in one basket and, you know, just have a one lot on or two, you know, it gives you a lot more flexibility. Um because, you know, I kind of like to scale in and out of trades instead of, you know, just put something on and uh, and run with it. Because I just feel like there's too many eggs in one basket. I'm only giving myself one one shot here, right? If I have just an entry and an exit and that's it. Um, so I prefer to scale. And I think, again, that's, you know, that's where these smaller contracts come, come in handy. I mean, I agree with both of them 100%. I mean, traders out there, just think about this. When it gets busier, you got to be less price sensitive. That's why I like scaling. If you're less price sensitive and you want to participate, you go to a smaller contract like the micros. There's no harm in that. You could still get just as big as you are in the bigger contracts. 
Yeah. I've learned that, right? I mean, you've, if you want to participate in the market, you've got to be able to get in freely. And I also, something I do is I'll stagger stops, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we, I think an area gets invalidated, it was his, one of his questions, it gets invalidated so quickly. Well, if you're scaling in, st- I stagger stops, you know, and then maybe you get stopped out on part, part of it and you, you account for that and say, look, it, I'm going to add a little bit of slippage to this because you know, the market's really busy, you know, especially if you're trading like NASDAQ right now. I mean, I'm not doing as much in there uh, as of late, but if you're doing something in the NASDAQ, a price level is not that significant on your, it may look significant in your chart, but it could take a price level out by 25, 50 points and come right back to it. And when you go back and look at it, it's it, nothing's really changed. So you have to recognize that. And the last thing is for me, no, your, your contract size is dependent on how far away your stop is. I don't know why oh, yeah. so many people go through trading and when it's slower, they're like, I'm trading five lots every day. And they have a two handle stop every time. Well, all of a sudden they're trading the S&P and the stops have to be five handles and they're trading five lots and they're just getting clipped. Yeah. They think they're being consistent with their contract size, but they're being inconsistent with risk. Um, and just goes back to what, what Pax and what Shai said. It's not just about managing risk, it's about managing profits and being able to stay in these trades. Let me tell you, I had to go to the micros. I go back to myself for this for this crude oil trade. There's no way I could withstand the bigger ones. There's no way. Like I said, my body could not handle three-point moves intraday all the time. So you know, Anthony, to that point. Sleep that is one, good too sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> when I was, you know. To 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 that point though, too, also is um uh once you pay for that trade to take profit, at least in my mind, this has helped me hold things a lot longer to my next target. I've paid for it. I've removed my risk. I've taken profit. I've put money into my pocket. I've done it. I've done it again. I've taken profit at least twice on that trade, and I've got the last quarter of my unit on. I'm now. I can scratch. I can let the market come back and scratch me out and tell me I'm wrong. So in which case, I've lost no money. I've already locked in enough profit. I'm satisfied with what I made. I can sit now and let the market come back down to my lower my lower target. You know. And that that's helped me hold on to positions a lot longer than what I used to. No, absolutely. Guys, before I let you go today, uh, we'll stay with you, Pax, and then we'll end with Trace. Um, where can people find you on Twitter and tell us um, any website to go to, to learn more about you, Pax? Um, you can go to PaxTrader777 on Twitter. PaxTrader777. I try to tweet more about my experience as a trader through the years. And, and you know, everybody's got... There, there, there are a lot of people out there with their technology, their, their technical, te- uh, technical analysis. I don't think anybody needs that anymore, um, or needs any more of that. At least not for me. So, Pax Trader seven seven seven, and you can go to my website at www.thepaxgroup.org, www.thepaxgroup.org, or go to my YouTube channel at uh, I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> yeah. You guys know you guys know how I feel about Pax. He's like my big brother, so I highly recommend you go check him out. And now to basically my sister, Shy. Where can people go? Make sure you mention your letter, Shy, because you you write you 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 read more than anybody I know, and you do great work with your writing. First off, where can people go to learn more about that? So um, I am in two places now. So I have my flagship energy and materials um, report that I do um, weekly. Um, there's a few reports weekly, uh, and that's at um, hedgefundtelemetry.com. And then I have a metals report at intelligencequarterly.com. And of course, you're Shy Girl on Twitter. And I'm Shy Girl on Twitter, G-R-L, not G-I-R-L. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fakes out there. Make sure you guys get the right Shy Girl. <laughs> I retweeted your fake last week. <laughs> no, I- I did. I retweeted it, and there was a, I, 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 somebody had brought my attention to it. And I went there, and it was like three followers. Oh, I had to, I had to. Delete it. <laughs> it so easily happens these days. It's unbelievable. I don't know who has the time to keep going. I, I mean, I must report a fake account every other day. Uh, you know, I know it's the same for you guys. There's it's tons ridiculous. of them. I think they're just. I think they're like bot farms. I don't think it's like malicious. I literally think they're bot farms now. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know. And if, what, what is people say that I don't have no idea what that means. <laughs> we'll never D, just remember this. The three of us will never DM you for money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I won't just, ask you. Just know that much. Going and I won't add, try to pitch crypto to you. No, well, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's not going to happen from the three of us. Well, you two are like family to me. You know that. 
you know, Thanks so again. I, I thank you guys both. This was so great. Thanks for being patient with me last week. I wasn't feeling so great. And there was no way I was going to let Pax come in here hot with a, with a better set of, you know, better hair day than me. That was not happening, my bro. So <laughs> I thank you guys so much. I appreciate everything you guys do. And to everybody out there listening today, this is going to be recorded. Thank you for tuning in to the live stream. Um, I really appreciate it. Subscribe to the show if you're enjoying it right here on YouTube. And this will be on all of the audio channels. It's not just videos, but if you want to watch uh, good hair and pretty faces, you can come over here on, uh, on YouTube <laughs> and check us out here. That's it for today, everybody. I'll see you guys next week. See ya. See ya. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Futures Radio Show is produced by Crudelli Productions.